Hi, you're listening to Him We Proclaim with John Fonville. We're continuing our series on historic church liturgy. Last time we emphasized the value of music and singing, and today is a reflection on the public reading of Scripture. We're learning today that Scripture reading in a worship service is quite the gift to God's people, and one of the primary ways God speaks and the way in which the Holy Spirit sanctifies His church. Let's listen now to part two of The Gift of the Written Word. Here's John. The great English reformer Thomas Cranmer, he introduced extended scripture readings into the liturgy and worship of the Reformed Church of England. And one of the brilliant things about Cranmer's liturgical reforms in England in the English Reformation was that he wedded the church's confessional statement to its liturgy, its prayer book, which was unique in the history of the church. And what he intended for the English people to experience was was that he wanted the Old Testament to be read through once every year in public worship, the whole thing. And he wanted the New Testament to be read through twice in a year. Now, one of the things that struck me when I first visited an Anglican church a couple years back was the substantial amount of scripture that was read in their public worship. Let me, let me tell you what happened when I was there. I was sitting there and I was taken back by it because I heard three chapters, three full whole chapters of the Bible read out loud. Now this morning we read a lot of Psalm 119, which is a long chapter in the Bible. And I know some of you are thinking, wow, this is getting kind of long. I know you thought that, right? <laughs> um, Try three whole chapters. (laughs) Uh, What I heard was one reading from the Old Testament, one reading from the New Testament epistles, and one whole reading from the Gospels. And then the reading was done with this great reverence and intentionality, and I was looking around the, the, the worship center, and the whole congregation was fully dialed in, and when it got to the thanks be to God part, it was like a roar. I was like, wow. You know, I was really taken back by it. And then, not only that, but there was even more scripture given in the service apart from the readings. And so as I sat in the worship service, having been just really impacted by what I experienced, I was immediately confronted with a great irony. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, Here in this high, formal, liturgical, vested worship service, I have just experienced an hour and 15-minute long service in which most of the time was spent occupied with words drawn directly from Scripture the whole time. I heard more of the Bible read, said, sung, and prayed than in any evangelical church I've ever been a part of or served in including the, quote, Bible churches that profess to really take God's word seriously, really believe in Bible exposition, and to place it at the center of his life. Now, one may sniff at the high formal liturgical traditions, and one may not like, perhaps, by just your taste vestments or something, But the fact is, many so-called evangelical Bible-believing churches today don't even have scripture readings in their public worship. And the only time you might hear it is when the pastor is reading from the text he's going to preach from, and sometimes the pastor says, oh, we don't have time to read this morning, so let me just get to it. Like, well, we need to hear God's word. 
right? So how ironic and tragic is it that conservative evangelical Bible churches who claim to confess sola scriptura, the sole authority of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, to be people of the book, right? We're people of the book. They give little to no time to the public reading of Scriptures in their worship services. I found that great irony, and I had to think through that. You see, the public reading of Scripture is a high point in the church's worship. It, it is, it's not some tangential thing that we just tack on to do to, to disrupt the flow of the service. It's the high point. It is the high point because in the public reading of God's Word, God speaks most directly to His people. It's God speaking. And so the public reading of God's word is central. It is not peripheral. It is a central element to the church's worship. Why do we gather together on the Lord's Day? We gather together to be addressed by the triune God. Our lectures readers stand over here behind the lectern as you see the scriptures open to you. That's on purpose. That big Bible was bought on purpose to show you this is God where God speaks to you. Listen. They stand up and they call us and they say to us every time, hear the word of the Lord. Hear it. And like the people of Israel, we stand in reverence before the one who is addressing us. And it is not our lectors, our readers. It is God speaking to us. And after having been addressed by the triune God through his word, which is a gift, we respond with an affirmation of faith and thanksgiving. Thanks be to God. For if he would have remained silent, we would have never ever known Christ to be our Savior. We would have lived in darkness, perished forever. And if we had been saved and he had not spoken to us his law, we would have no idea how to love our neighbor. Thanks be to God. Third, the public reading of Scripture is a means of grace. It's a means of grace. What does this term means of grace mean, right? What is that? Well, it's a technical term in a narrow definition, which simply means this. It's very simple. It is God's acts of delivering Christ to you. That's what a means of grace is. God's acts of giving you Christ and all of his saving benefits that come with him. And so the public reading of Scripture is God's acts of giving to you Christ. And giving to you through the power of the Holy Spirit all the benefits that come associated with Christ, which are amazing and inexhaustible riches, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. And so in the 17th century England, this was interesting, the authors of the Westminster Confession of Faith, they taught that God's people receive Christ and all of his saving benefits through the outward and ordinary means. The priority on the means of grace can be seen in question 89 in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. The, the question asks, how is the word of God made effective to salvation? How does it work in your life? How, what does the mean? How does it work? Listen very carefully to the answer the church gave. The Holy Spirit of God makes the reading 
but especially the preaching of the word, but he, the Holy Spirit makes the reading of God's word an effective means of convincing and converting sinners and building them up in holiness and comfort through faith to salvation. I bet you never realized how important the reading of God's word was till then. The Holy Spirit takes the reading of God's word and makes it an effective means of grace to convince and convert sinners, to bring people to salvation. And then once he's done that, is to build up those who have been converted to build them up in holiness. In other words, to help you in your sanctification. It's God's means of discipleship for you. This is why we do this. We didn't just say, oh, you know, all right, at this point, let's, let's read some scripture and have Jared play a little bit in the background. You know, that would be so soothing. And No, that's not why we decided that. God commands it to be done because this is the means by which the Holy Spirit builds you up as a Christian. So in the first part of the liturgy, in the service of the word, we gather to hear God's word, and God's word is the chief means of grace. Why is that? Well, it's very simple. Only God's word reveals to us his special grace. And what is grace? It is a person, Jesus, and his saving work. You don't get special grace. You don't get the gospel. You don't get Jesus from sunsets. I had a man once tell me that he was sitting on the beach and had a vision and saw Jesus through the cloud. I'm like, you know what? You haven't been reading your Bible because general revelation doesn't reveal Jesus. You didn't see Jesus because Jesus is only revealed through the gospel, through special revelation, God's written word. The nature doesn't reveal the gospel. It reveals wonderful things about God, but it doesn't reveal his special grace. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. The author of Hebrews says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. That's why the Bible is the chief means of grace. And so here's an important question I want you to think about this morning. What is the word of God? What is it? You're called to hear and listen to it being read to you week after week. What is the word of God? Well, the law and gospel are the chief general divisions of the Holy Scriptures. The word of God is either law or gospel. That's what it is. What is the word of God? It is either the law or the gospel. These Two chief divisions compromise the entire doctrine comprehended in God's word. So you could say this, in the service of the word, we gather each week in the liturgy to hear God's law addressed to us and to hear God's gospel addressed to us. God speaks to us through his law. God speaks to us through his gospel. And so the emphasis in the service of the word is on, listen, guess what? What is its emphasis? Hearing. Hearing. Why? The Apostle Paul, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. That is the gospel. 
Each Sunday, listen, God's gathered guests assemble to hear God's word as it is read to them. So hearing, listening, what you're doing now in preaching and in the reading of God's word, hearing or listening, listen carefully, it is an act of worship. That's how you worship. How is a gift meant to be used? It's to be received. And what is the best way to receive something? Sit down and to be served, right? And what is God telling us? He's saying just sit down in your seat and let me address you and you receive my word and hear, listen, receive this gift. Michael Horton says that the church must always be a listening church. It must, we must always be a listening church. Why? Why do we need to learn how to listen? Why a listening church? Why do we want to cultivate a listening culture at Paramount Church? Let me finish with this. Here's why. We must be a listening church because the Holy Spirit uses the law and the gospel to accomplish different things in our lives. We have to first hear the gospel. What does the Holy Spirit do with the word of God called the gospel? The Holy Spirit uses the gospel to bring us initially to faith. He creates the church through the gospel. We have to be a listening church because the gospel is essential for the inception, the beginning of salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, the apostle Paul calls the gospel the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to have a spirit-filled church where the Holy Spirit is powerfully working and present? Preach and hear the gospel continually. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gospel, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the apostle Paul compares ex nihilo creation to the work of the gospel in the church, both read and preached. And he says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, verse 3, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to get the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying? He's saying that the Holy Spirit shines the light of the gospel into our dark, dead hearts to bring about regeneration, new life in Christ. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 25. Listen, you have been born again, regenerated. How have I been born again? How have I been regenerated? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And what word of God was that? And this word is the good news. It is the gospel that was preached to you. And so the gospel, Peter says, is the seed of regeneration. It is the seed of new life. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the reading and preaching of the gospel, and he creates new life in the church, creates the church. And so one Dutch theologian said this. He says, reading the Bible in the worship service, passing on the story, should lead people to faith. When the, God's word is read from this lectern over here, that is a powerful evangelistic moment in the public worship of God's church. 
And if you bring friends with you to church who don't know Christ, you should be praying for them. Lord, open their ears to hear this right now. Save them. James chapter 1, verse 18, James says the church is a creation of God's word. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so this is why we have to be a listening church. It's through the gospel that the Holy Spirit creates the church. Second, the Holy Spirit uses the gospel to sustain our faith. In other words, the Holy Spirit uses the gospel to effect sanctification, holiness in the life of God's people. He uses it to preserve the whole church in his earthly pilgrimage of sanctification and to bring the church to its completed state and glorification. We must be a listening church because the gospel is essential for the believer's sanctification. Listen to what Jesus prayed. John 17, 17, Jesus prays to his Father, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. In Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says that the gospel is the wellspring of godliness, God-centeredness. In Titus chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, Paul says that the gospel dwelling in our hearts is continually, listen, training us to renounce ungodliness, renounce worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And it trains us to be continually waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a lot of work that the gospel does, so we need to hear it, right? In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul is giving his final departing words to the Ephesian elders. He'll never see them again. And as he departs, listen to what he leaves them with. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That is the gospel. And he says the word of his grace, listen, is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Did you hear that? The gospel is the word of his grace that the Holy Spirit takes to build you up. It is able, that word dunamis, it has the exceeding power to build you up and to give you your inheritance and glorification. That's a lot of power in the gospel, isn't it? That's why we need to be a listening church. We need to hear that all the time. So the point is we never move on from the gospel. We just continually move on in it deeper and deeper. And so hearing the gospel both personally and corporately generates, creates, and sustains and completes the church. But God's word is also God's law. And we need to hear God's law. Why? We must hear God's law because just as the believer's personal sanctification is flawed and in need of correction, I think we would all agree to that, right? My kids reminded me of that this weekend. I blew it royally at home, and I had to ask their forgiveness. We stand in continual need of correction personally. So does the corporate life of the church. Need that continual correction. We must hear God's law. Why? Because God's law through the Holy Spirit helps us learn more and more to know our sinful nature. Have you ever realized that the more you grow in grace and the longer you walk with Christ, the worse you see how bad you really are? <laughs> That's a work of the Spirit. That is a divine gift. 
We need to hear God's law to more earnestly seek forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. What does the law lead us to? Jesus. So I want to be hearing that which is going to take me to Jesus all the time. And we need to hear that. We need to hear God's law diligently read to us and preached to us. Why? Because it leads us to plead for the grace of the Holy Spirit to renew us more and more after the image of Christ until one day it's completed. Teaches us how to pray to the Holy Spirit to change us and to sanctify us. We need to hear the public reading of Scripture and to understand that this is not an interruption in the church's worship, but it is foundational. It is essential to the church's worship. So what are we saying about it? In some, this is what we're saying. The Holy Spirit uses the words of the gospel to create, to forgive, to make alive, to assure, and to comfort. And he uses the words of the law to judge and to convict and to kill and then to direct our lives in gratitude for the grace we've been receiving from Christ. We need this. We must learn to become a listening church because it is through hearing the word of truth that God's people are apprehended by Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us learn to be a listening church and to value the reading, public reading of God's word. And so as we reflect this morning on the reading of Scripture, what have we seen? We've just seen this. The public reading of Scripture is a gift to God's people. The public reading of Scripture is an essential element in corporate worship. And the public reading of Scripture is a means of grace by which the Holy Spirit creates and sanctifies His church. That's what we've seen. And so as we close, I want to ask you this one last question as we, as we finish. Why does God speak our language? You ever thought about that? Why does he speak our language? Do you know why? Because the eternal triune God wants to have a saving relationship with you. That's why. He loves you. This is why he speaks our language. If he didn't speak at our level, we wouldn't know anything about his saving love in the gospel. Oh, it's all about the gospel, right? Gospel is paramount in everything, including public reading of scripture. Why does he speak our language? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Even yet while we were sinners, God loved us, right? Enemies of the cross. He loved us. We would never know this thrilling message of the triune God's love for us and his son had he never spoken to us in the gift of scripture. We would be hidden in silence. And so as we listen to all that God has to say in scripture, we can rejoice continually that God has spoken to us in these last days by his only begotten son, Jesus, the incarnate word, our Lord and Savior. And we all say to that, thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are a God who is not silent, but you have spoken. You have first acted 
You have revealed yourself. You have accommodated yourself. The greatness of your majesty, you have accommodated yourself to us to speak to us in baby talk, to reveal your gift, your son, our salvation to us, your grace in the gospel. We thank you both for your law that leads us to Christ, and we thank you for your word of gospel that gives us Christ. And then that gospel that leads us back to your law, not to be crushed, but to live a life of gratitude for the salvation we've received in our grace. And so, Father, thank you for your word. Forgive us when we have taken it for granted. Forgive us when we haven't given diligent attention to the public reading of Scripture. Forgive us for not valuing it as the high point where you are directly addressing us as your people. Let us see you as the gift giver. And let us see your word as a great gift given to us. Thank you that the gospel, the word of God, reveals to us grace for sinners. We pray all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's John Fonville with part two of The Gift of the Written Word. We'll hear more from the Gift Giver series coming up next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.